Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Good morning, Alan, and good morning to your listeners. You, being a former government minister, will be well aware of the uh, important role of the uh, Irish Armed Forces. Um, this is very worrying, and I'm very much conscious as well. We have lots and lots of relatives of members serving in the Armed Forces here in County Wexford at the moment. Can you shed any light on what's happening, Brendan, at this stage, please? Other than what's in the public domain, and I think uh, as much information as is available to the Department of Defence here in Dublin uh, has been given out, uh, and obviously a full investigation will ensue now, uh, both from the Irish authorities and from the United Nations authorities. Uh, As you rightly say, every single Irish citizen is proud of Oglid Naherum, the Irish Defence Forces, particularly the role they played um, from the very inception of the United Nations as peacekeepers. Uh, and the role that they played in Lebanon is particularly um, one that everybody is proud of. They've been there since 1978. Um, I think almost half of the current force has served there in rotation at some time in their career. And you will have thousands of retired soldiers, many living in our own county, who will be very familiar with South Lebanon, know the people there and probably are aware of this particular route from the battalion headquarters into the city of Beirut. Um, And all our hearts go out now uh, to a family um, whose son has died for Ireland, a true patriot, Mm. um, serving on the uniform of Ireland and the beret of the United Nations. And sometimes when we, you know, you remember and we commemorate um, the great work been done by our uh, our army, we probably don't bring to mind how every day they serve, yeah. they put themselves in the in the path of danger uh, to serve peace internationally and to serve the flag uh, that uh, is so well regarded in the United Nations. Uh, Brendan, there's protocol with all of this, so I mean mm. instinctively people listening will know of friends and family members who are out in the Lebanon as we speak or have been there recently time frame of all of this like when will will it be deemed possible to release the name of the man who's been killed or our woman because we don't know uh, and mm. the other injured soldier as well and there were eight in total I believe four were totally clear of this, two had may have suffered minor injuries one is very critically ill and one has died so when will that become known because I'm just thinking of people in County Wexford wondering could it be a, a member of their family? Well the first thing to say is that the person who lost their lives, their family, was notified during the night at about 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, that awful, awful uh, knock on the door was made. Uh, and they are now, that family, are receiving the support uh, and counselling um, of the military authorities. Um, similarly, uh, the man and both the bereaved and the seriously injured person are both male. Um, uh, that person has undergone serious um, uh, medical treatment in hospital and has been moved to United Nations Hospital overnight. Uh, and hopefully, please God, that person will make a full recovery. The other two injured are more minor injuries and uh, neither is said to be in any way life-threatening. Uh, but to all of them uh, and to all their extended families, and to the Defence Forces themselves, which is a family, a very tight-knit family, uh, when one uh, is injured, you know, the grief is 
and the, and the wound is felt by everybody. Um, and we have to stand by our defence forces, uh, think, think of them, uh, and support them in any way they can. In terms of the timelines, uh, because the families have been notified, I imagine later today the names will be released uh, and we will know um, exactly uh, the families directly affected. Okay. Uh, and I think then we have to look at uh, repatriation, obviously, as soon as possible of the deceased soldier so that he can be brought back to his family uh, and then to determine what's the best medical path uh, to treat the seriously wounded individual, mm. whether it's to remain in situ, that the safest place, best place to make a recovery, or whether he should be uh, medevaced uh, to a, a different medical facility. I think those decisions will be made in the next day or two. Before we conclude our chat with you this morning, two other areas I'd like to look at. First of all, talking about war-torn areas, I know Antishok is in Europe today and Ukraine is very much high in the uh, agenda. You are also, or have been recently in Kiev and in, in the war-torn areas and, and surrounding countries as well. What do you make as we look back on a harrowing 10 months? Where are we now with this? And uh, I'm thinking as well of the many people from Ukraine who are living in County Wexford who could be listening to you at the moment. Where are we heading with this, do you think? Well, Putin's vicious assault continues, uh, despite uh, the terrible cost in, in human lives uh, that he has inflicted on the people of Ukraine and on his own military, because it's estimated, I saw U.S. estimates yesterday, uh, that up to 100,000 uh, Russian soldiers have been killed or seriously wounded uh, since his campaign of attack started um, some nine months ago. Uh, and that chatting must have a terrible toll on the people of Russia, as well as uh, the devastating toll and effect it's having um, more particularly on the people of Ukraine. Uh, and hopefully um, the people of Russia will call a halt uh, to Putin's madness. But what's happening right now is it seems that the Russians are moving troops away from the eastern areas, um, sorry, into the eastern areas, into the place uh, that they want to... Um, uh, recapture, which is the, the town of our city of, of Bakhmut, uh, and they mo moved troops from the south, from the Kherson region, uh, up there, and there's an all-out assault happening right now in the east, in Bakhmut, uh, described by the Ukrainian uh, president as a devastated town right now. Right. Obviously, the most serious thing that's happened in the last number of weeks is the constant uh, missile attack on the infrastructure of Ukraine, which has plunged literally millions of Ukrainians into darkness with no heat in a, in a Ukrainian winter where the temperature is permanently very low uh, and where the water supply, basic uh, utility supply, is under constant attack. Uh, this has led to Western countries wanting to provide better air defense systems to Ukraine. And it is expected that, for example, the United States will provide the Patriot air defence system to Ukraine, a decision that's expected either to be made today or tomorrow. Finally, uh, Brendan, just in relation to something that unfolded once again at the council meeting during the week, uh, the situation regarding the CPO for the, the campus, something that I know you have said to me quite clearly in the studio on many occasions, is the one that is really drawing on your... Uh, you put funding in place in 2016. Yeah. Now we're told it could be the third quarter before we get more clarity on this. Are you oh, disappointed just, with this? It's just a depressing saga. Uh, as I said, um, we could build the Taj Mahal uh, in the period of time that we've been promised this. 
there's clearly nobody there to just drive this through. Um, and I, I, I wish to God I was in a position to do that. Um, because, as I say, the money was allocated uh, six years ago, m- m- more than six years ago, in early part of, the, uh, of 2016, um, a funding of actually 10 million allocated to the Higher Education Authority for a number of projects, one in Limerick, one in Galway, and the one in Wexford, the acquisition of the site. Obviously, there wasn't a specific sum allocated because negotiations were going on at that time. Uh, but this should have been concluded. And that was, if you like, three sites ago. The first site that uh, I was anxious that would be acquired, uh, that develop- didn't uh, uh, come, to, come to pass. Mm. Uh, another site was looked at, and now we're on a third. It is time this thing was finalized, mm. because my fear has always been that the big capital expenditure uh, will go to other campuses within the Southeast University, Technological University, and Wexford will not get the major capital development. We don't have a site, we can't have the major capital development. So we really, really need uh, to, to get this done. And it, you rightly say it's the most frustrating thing I've dealt with in my political career. Okay, so what do you think can now be done to try and drive this across the line and get it sorted by the, if it has to be, the, the third quarter of next year? Let that well, be. Then, yeah, yeah. It, it, we've, we've moved now into a CPO process and uh, I, I was told originally that would be a, a six-month process. Hmm. It, it has already started. So you would have expected that it could be completed by the middle of next year. Um, that is, in a, even that is a long timeline. But I would have hoped that it could be concluded because we absolutely need it. Uh, it you know, it's a little bit worrying, and I, I expressed my concern directly to the Minister for Higher Education that at the official launch, the the the, the if you like the formal establishment and launch of the Southeast Technological University. The launch took place in Waterford and Carlo, not in Wexford, despite the fact that we already have a campus in Wexford uh, with very many students there. And it just signals a mindset to me that causes me concern. And I think we all need to be very directly on this case until we have a site that's appropriate for development over the next 50 years uh, to provide first-class university facilities in the town of Wexford. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views. Alan Corcoran.